Welcome to Hi Bob, the officially unofficial for all mankind podcast on Apple TV Plus. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about season three, episode four, Happy Valley. Uh, or as it's that's how it's colloquially known to Danielle. I don't I don't know how to pronounce the actual uh real name of this location on Mars, but Happy Valley works for me. Aaron, are you living in Happy Valley when it comes to this episode? Uh, Malus Chasma. Um, yeah, I. This is the quintessential episode of For All Mankind for me. Right. Uh, everything comes together. Yeah. Uh, the plotting, the timelines, the space. Like just just when you think you've got a sense of equilibrium, um, uh, there's a new twist and development, and it's not even the twist and development of the actual episode. Uh, yeah, yeah, I loved it, and f- to the extent that I had like some reservations of the first space disaster, where I felt like I had to. There was definitely debatable things, but I think they were just that debatable. Like that's what like what happens when humans make decisions and and do things and try to succeed even when they're failing. Uh, I, sure. I I love this episode. I thought it was I thought it was fucking awesome. What do you yeah. think? No, I love Ron Moore, and I look. I know Ron Moore is not the only writer on this thing, but his style of storytelling, right? He's always got these moments of high drama where things go wrong, and you can almost see it. You can almost see like the stepping stones from this you know very like buttoned up held together situation into the chaos that's going to be the end of this episode and i love yeah. seeing that uh as soon as the the russian as soon as they pan to the russian ship and you think oh boy they're not happy about losing this race huh what are they gonna do mm-hmm. you know it's gonna go off the rails and it's super fun to watch uh and i feel like everybody here i i almost like stand up and cheer when ed makes the decision to go after the russians and help them to to save their ship because i'm like he's making the right call this this is the right thing to do and he's giving up his shot you know he doesn't even like there isn't a jockeying here right when ed's trying to determine what they should do to go after the russians he's just like well we're the better equipped ship i'm gonna go do it there's 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 like this is my this is me missing my mission to mars i'm not gonna be the first guy there i could if danielle steps up yeah but but he just steps into that role and it's so perfect what's great is they give five seconds of just joel kinnaman's face processing you can see him process every one of those angles and then be like okay this is the right after all that this is the, the right thing to do and you know the fact that like uh, yeah, just everybody, I think, acted in the exact appropriate way, with the possible Except exception for... of serial killer fucking Danny and his whole <laughs> shit. I don't know. But uh, yeah. and Dev, like I knew I saw the cracks, right? Like, you know, this is too good to be true. This guy can't actually be as altruistic and good as he says he is. And this is the episode that proves it. And I was happy I, I, to see that finally that veil pulled back. I felt like they there's a little bit of that's that's the only complaint i have in this whole episode i felt like there's a little compression on the heel to face turn because or the face to heel turn because i thought mm-hmm. him I, I i thought the way that his employees reacted to them losing the space race like well it's physics what are you going to do fuck you if you're at nasa margo would be saying the same shit how do we win how do we win how and like i think like i i was kind of frustrated that they're like oh there's nothing we can fucking do they got the solar shield blah 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 um I, uh, and then him picking up the monitor and throwing it, I felt like that I would have rather seen the Helios team 
pull together and try to suggest solutions and work the problem and work the problem. Him getting growing frustration over an episode or two than what happened. But yeah, like, you know, I'm reminded of a quote we heard from the season premiere of Westworld. It's not a spoiler. It's unconnected. But no one with that much money has not sinned in acquiring it. The idea that this guy uh, amassed this fortune um, and didn't ever step on anyone or screw anyone over or fucking like seems very preposterous. And you can kind of see like you saw in the first episode, the way he kind of manipulated the conversation. And here you saw it really like who he calls on when he calls the debate to end when like it's it's very much like what. You know, you know, and 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 he he says it's the group, and we're speaking in unity, but it's all a bunch of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I I, I I thought it was interesting. I just think it was a little fast for me, just a little. I get you. I mean, there is a point when you're talking about space travel where mathematics does dictate outcome. You know, and and you can you can True. look at an equation and say this is an impossibility. We cannot beat them. So, what's the point? Um, but you're right. I mean, like, look, uh, Apollo 13 didn't just say, well, they, they mathematically don't have enough oxygen to get back on, on right. these three people being in this cabin. So let's just give up. Right. They yeah. came up with interesting solutions to fudge the math. And I think, yeah, that might be what's missing here in that scene. Um, I thought his anger was appropriate. Like I could see someone who is a good person smashing a monitor because they're angry that they're out of frustration. Yeah. Yeah. Their vision is not is not working out how they expected it. That doesn't yeah. make him evil. But the thing that, you know, uh, pulls back that veil, like I said, is him not going to help people who are in need when they're a million yeah. miles away from home. You know? Yeah. That's the thing. And and knowing that he's the best equipped to do it and refusing to do that. And, yeah. and it's almost an extra layer of like, oh, shut up with your bullshit, man. When he puts that on the group, you know, the group, the group is, is a, a two-sided thing right here he can he can point to the group and say well we're all making decisions uh together and that's you know uh communally that's very good and and uh equal but then you can also point to the group and use them as a scapegoat and i think that's kind of what he's doing here right like well my hands are tied the group says we're not going after this guy and there's no group that you can prosecute and say well you're an evil being group like it's not an individual yeah. you can point to and say this person is bad. It's just a group of people doing what they individually think they should do. I, I don't know. No, he's very skillful at how he manipulates the chorus to yeah. his of consensus because he knows it seems like. And I, I also wish we had seen another iteration or two of this process. But to me, he knows there's certain people that play a sour note and certain people that can uh, be reliably uh, the the play a, a positive note and the order and the sequence and. And and like again, like when when the song is over, because there was still argument left when he kind of said, "Ah, eh, the group's got it." Like that's you, you know. Um, and ultimately, as the leader of that group, he's he's the visionary. He's the person who's giving them their ideals in a lot of cases. And so, right. is it any surprise also when they that. vote in the way that he expects or that he would choose? You know, um, and also when you got a leader, people. yeah. When you got a leader that's like destroying equipment, when he gets a fit of anger, it also that manipulates a group to like try to find like that that t- taps into like, well, I don't want to make daddy or mommy angry energy. Yeah. Yeah. So like, what can I do to say to make them happy? Like, it's, it's there's there's a lot of <laughs> and when they a go lot of coercion somebody, in this uncoercive, yeah. 
who who's in the meeting where they go well we're gonna fire this person for not agreeing with the group right uh, you know is it is that a group decision or is that a dan right. dan as a decision and we've also that's also it's like it hasn't always been a group decision like uh ed says fuck i gotta be able to steer this ship unilaterally boom we're making this change but that, you know retrospectively it makes it seem like well did the dev give in that easily because he was just like oh well this is the commander we picked and the commander wants it and blah 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 or did he just know that this was bullshit that can be changed yeah. with a simple unoverridable oh, software update and so it's like yeah, he's he's magnanimous in defeat only because all of his defeats are hidden victories. <laughs> right. And this, yeah. this should maybe give you a little bit of pause uh, when you think about automated vehicles, too. Right. Yeah. Like if you and think he's developing them controlling and... the vehicle that you're in when you could press yeah. a button and it can drive for you. Uh, who is controlling who here? And again, like, I just don't know why people will like distrust a politician, but then unironically fully trust a billionaire. Right. Because I, I, I assume there's this fraud just by the laws of probability. There's gotta be a handful out there that have somehow amassed the wealth of a Pharaoh through no wrongdoing of their own. But like, I think those people are the exceptions and oh, sure. they might have an, even if you believe in their overall positive vision of humanity of like, you know, saving them through alternate energy, the way they get there might be pretty fucked up. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I thought this was um, a little it, it, it definitely tells us what like Ron Moore thinks, because the other thing is like it's not like NASA comes off looking great sure. because I feel like Margot would have done something fucking crazy mm-hmm. that would have destabilized a whole country if she had been allowed to do it. And that's not a great, like, and then Ellen had the right approach. The, 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 the one that she's saying is outside it. Margo, speaking I mean, of talking speaking about of heel nationalizing f- companies, I, yeah, just this to talk about face heel turns. Yeah. Like I was rooting for her so hard in the first two seasons and she is becoming a villain. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she's potentially, I mean, she did give, engine technology to the russians she has been like a, a double agent here within nasa she and i don't even think that's her villainy like i that's like okay well she got that's a good person forced into a bad situation but like this acquisition of power yeah for the sake of it and just wanting to solve mm-hmm. everything with government power fiat uh you know the like the one dude calls her running an oligarchy it's not far off uh yeah a self-funded unaccountable arm of the government. Um, so like, I, I think that's the Ron Moore's not saying that like, Oh, private space flight, bad, bad. It's kind of like, Oh no, no, there are different sides of the same coin that have different trade-offs, different balances. And we should probably have a healthy mix of both. And I like but, the, the counter arguments to, you know, the, the progress that we see here. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I think there are trade-offs uh, when you're talking about technological progress. It does, maroon people in jobs that no longer exist and if you don't have support systems for those people to be trained up into the new positions you're creating in whatever you know new type of energy you're producing or whatever industry it is those people are going to get left behind and they're going to be angry about it and their families are going to be angry about it and it's going to be a problem Uh, you can't you can't just make change without thinking about the consequences of it uh even if that change is positive that's my biggest criticism of a lot of the the political decisions that even my my own side makes is that like you can do something that's like good, uh, but it's also disruptive, and you have to have a plan for the people that are disrupted. 
you know, and you can't just like give someone fifteen hundred dollar retraining vouchers and be like, well, your town's dead and your only source of income's gone. Uh, Go go code. Right. You know, here's here's a how to write visual basic. Uh Yeah, 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 yeah. Start start integrating spreadsheets. Old man, like that's just not like you got to have a generous. You got to have that. You have generous retirement efforts for people just like I there's no fucking way I can change at this point. You got to be able to have generous training and relocation offers for the people that can. You got to invest in these communities. You got to and you have to have that plan ready to go with the other thing that you're doing to disrupt people. And almost no one does. And no wonder people get pissed off and distrustful. But uh, it's also there's a there's a clever. I don't know how much I agree with it. There's a clever inversion where. Republicans are the clean energy progressive people and the Democrats are now the ones who are marshalling uh, disinformation and cynically, um, you know, playing on on people's, uh, you know, self-interest and and, uh, fear. Uh, and they build a Fox News network called Eagle News Network. I think it's just essentially a left wing version of Fox. And I'm going to be interested to see how this plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it has a lot the of potential his, to get heavy-handed there. Yeah, um, yeah. But, I mean, it's pretty we'll funny see. that you got the Republican House Minority Leader being like, "Oh, now you guys care about oil," and because like your right. uh, constituents are riled up about it. Yeah, it's some hee hee ha ha's, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, overall, great episode. I'm I'm really hot to see the next one. I want to see how this, all this plays out, and I assume it's just going to be one thing after another to the end of the season right i mean that's how these seasons kind of go yeah so. yeah because like now because like you, the 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 shape of the next three episodes is immediately clear at the end of this yeah. like you think anyway like what's going to have to happen now and uh-huh yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see how much um political will there is to to make things happen uh, for the space program after a disaster like this. And, you know, I, I mean, every season has had its own set of disasters, but yeah, uh, the public always seems to rebound on that. But now we've got a different, a different mix of political stew here. It's there's, there's a little bit of, you know, blame going on to the space program for taking away jobs and causing right. strife on Earth. They're vulnerable so. in the public opinion kind of way for the first time, probably yeah. since this fifties. Right. getting geared up for the 6th annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints. Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. 
It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. So, see how that goes. Uh, Let's get into the recap. We start off with the Phoenix on the way to Mars and it's in the lead. Uh, gonna land first apparently Sojourner 1 is behind that and then Mars 94 behind that which is you know the Russian ship uh, Helios is guaranteed to reach Mars first all, all but guaranteed let's say and um, NASA is apparently gonna reach Mars last Danielle calls up Ed to congratulate him on their win but NASA has a trick up their sleeve it's called Operation Jolly Roger which are their solar sails um they're gonna actually carry them to mars eight days before the phoenix and nobody knew that mars had this or that mars had this that nasa had this um this is a scene we were talking about where dev Iessa tries to come up with a way to offset their acceleration but his engineers telling are telling him it's impossible and he <laughs> smashes that monitor i fucking love the whole deploying of the solar sails the way they were like talking like pirates dude all the whole no. pirate theme is great here the, the yo ho ho a pirate's life for me sea shanty the fact that like you know ed was being i think gracious in victory but and and danielle was unusually conciliatory but it was knowing that they had this giant knife behind their backs that they're about to plunge into the russians and nasa or no not and, and the private uh, space uh pri- flight mm-hmm. um it's funny because before this sale, I, 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 maybe it was obvious what was going to happen. But before they started deploying the actual solar sail, I was like, is NASA going to commandeer Helios? Like, are they just going to, oh, is this going to be like this space pirate? This, they're just going to uh-huh. privateer this thing? Uh, Send some tethers over and border. <laughs> but when the solar sails popped out, so I, I, I assume that a lot of people watching the show know the whole deal about solar sails. But uh, there's this phenomenon called the solar wind. It's not wind at all. It's the the energy, the the particles, charged particles are flowing off the sun and would exterminate all the life on Earth if we didn't have the magnetosphere that that, that shields us from it. Yeah. But uh, over vast dist- distances, a large, lightweight material that can grab those particles can take advantage of it just like a sail can catch wind. And it's a tiny amount of thrust, but the crucial thing is it never stops. Mm-hmm. It's a gentle, It's a gentle wind that always blows in one direction, and it will constantly accelerate you um much faster than you can achieve with velocities with rockets because they eventually run out of fuel the sun is five billion years away from running out of solar wind so it was cool and And i started to do like scrutinize the math on this like how far out are they are solar sails going to pick up enough solar radiation to actually push them and I, I gave up. I was like, okay, the show is telling me yes. So just go 240 ahead. million miles. That's a lot of miles right, to right. build up speed. And, you know, like also these ships, these huge ships 
patently don't have the propellant to like burn, you know, like they have to burn mm-hmm. as fast as they can and then they have to save to burn. They'd stop at the end. Uh, so <laughs> I like, yeah, I kind of crucial. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was kind of surprised by how big of an advantage because NASA went from last place. Uh, at least they said that, like, even though Mars was slightly behind them or the Mars 94, that it was, you know, going to catch them. They went from dead last to eight days early pretty incredible so so that was the thing that like really I, I was surprised they didn't make a bigger deal about it I, look i know the radiation killing you in three days is mm-hmm. like a big problem sure but they didn't even mention that the russians like after they fired their engines to try and catch up their trajectory was off and they were just going to shoot past mars with yeah. dead engines they can't slow down it was like right they totally ignore that fact i'm like that's the scarier thing to me is like but uh, that, that, that'll take them three months your, yeah, but like, let's say you jettison, you know, your your radioactive uh, oh, part I of your see. ship or something. If you scram the reactor. You're yeah. still fucking dead. You're and and it's almost a worse fate just drifting off into space. I. It so, was an all your marble situation where the Russians knew that they would lose, and yeah, I don't know yeah. what they're flirting with. Like maybe the Russians are having a collapse of their empire brought on by the space race um, instead of know. a bunch of a complicated. Ge- and and like that this is Russia's like man, this is our hail mary, and if we don't succeed here, we're just going to be irrelevant. Like the the emperor will have no clothes. Conversely, if we're the first there, then I. But man, it did seem like they put those cosmonauts in a terrible fucking position. Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. And uh, uh, engines that they don't even really fully understand, maybe, because that's the other. Yeah. You know, this this is stolen through Margo information. I found it almost funny when Dev is like, we've beaten the world superpowers at their own game. And I'm like, well, that's one of their games. The world right. superpowers play many, many, many games. And OK, you're very good at chess, but how are you? at pinochle or how are you mm-hmm. in any of the other games that the world superpowers play uh congratulations it's the only game you play and you beat them at it well and all everyone also talks about like the advantage of private funding and and out of the box thinking and whatever uh-huh. uh, r&d has uh versus public versus private and i thought this episode's a good refutation because like say what you will about nasa yeah, you know, there's something about having the full faith and credit of the United States behind your pocketbooks because they get shit done. And mm-hmm. they like I think that, uh, you know, I got really excited about the SpaceX stuff and Armadillo Aerospace. Like I've been following this stuff for 20 years. Their progress has been glacial compared to what NASA did in the 50s and 60s and 70s. And mm-hmm. they had the head start of NASA doing all the shit in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Right. So like. Yeah, like, yeah, like, these, like, oh, you got your badass fusion engines and your state-of-the-art methane. We, while you were fucking around perfecting our technology, boom, we invented a solar sail. Yeah, and that's very Because who knows if it'll make money? <laughs> it's like, I, right, I, I it thought it was, that, it's great. It's great. Yep. Uh, all right, the news about the solar sails goes out on the news channels with political commentators pointing fingers left and right. Uh, Ellen gets bad news from a former supporter who is no longer willing to support her. And he wants to tap into NASA's funds. And he's playing hardball here. And Ellen's feeling the pressure. So her fake husband suggests they go back to NASA. I always forget this guy's name. Do you remember his name? No. Ellen's husband? Does it matter? Ellen's husband. Ellen's beard. Yeah. So so he suggests that they go back to NASA to congratulate them on winning the race to Mars. It'll, It'll feel good. It'll feel like going home. 
Uh, like you mentioned, this Eagle News channel is obviously supposed to be a liberal version of Fox. Um, I I found this scene hard to watch because it feels very accurate. Mm. Feels too accurate in a way that makes disturbs me. You know what's so the part of the people with the uh, rally against clean energy? Oh, oh, the whole damn thing, top to bottom. The the news. No, yeah, you know, like there's the commentator uh, being yeah. the way he is. This interaction with uh, I, I don't know if there's senators or the Congress people here. Um, yeah, I I feel like that is super accurate and it's very frustrating. Uh, all that stuff just made me feel gross. And I do think that, like, on average, your average liberal or leftist or progressive is no more immune to misinformation than anyone else. Um, yeah, it's just that the way the the way the die have been cast on the board, you're not as maybe exposed to it as much. Uh, but I don't know. You're like, I, this was exposed to the, the misinformation you would tend to agree with as much. Yeah, it, it's wild because I was so I drove up the through northern Ohio this weekend. I was going to Lake Erie. Uh, and there is a lot of, you know, uh, Northern Ohio is very flat and a windy place. And there's some communities that have taken advantage of that fact and installed these big, beautiful, glistening white windmills. Now, I always think they're, they're beautiful and majestic when I'm driving past counties like that. And I got a little bit further north and there was just these all these yard signs, these bright yellow yard signs. No, the windmills, no, to windmills, no, to windmills. No, like you never saw anyone supporting windmills. And I'm like. I'm morally certain that under these same fucking farm fields, if a lake of petroleum were discovered tomorrow, the landscape would be littered with oil derricks the next year, pump gleefully extracting that natural resource. I don't understand why when I hear the arguments against it, it's like, oh, they make a little bit of noise or, oh, they might strike bird, which is something that, that, that they've worked on or they're just ugly. I'm like. I've been to fucking Texas where every goddamn field's got an oil derrick pumping all the goddamn time. Blights on the landscape does not stop people from extracting natural energy. It boggles my mind that you could get free energy for your people in these rural communities and they're not doing it. But then you see this episode and it's like, of course they would because that's, that's what's their, they're, they're getting people whipped up and they're not, probably explaining it they're not giving people off ramps oh, of like all these coal and oil yeah. people and you know it's, like it's if, much if, easier to scare people than it is to explain to them the benefits of this uh technology and you know it is a pain point because it is going to mean a a change in the type of industry there right like if you were extracting coal suddenly now you're extracting wind it's a different skill set these people aren't trained for it you know it i, I get it there there is a pain point there i understand but what and, do and we they do about that right yeah, it's like that's it's a problem it's, to be solved. Not we we shouldn't hold back that type of progress simply because no, it's hard. I, I feel like if this attitude was around in the turn of this 20th century, we'd still be driving horses downtown. Oh, it was. And we'd be right? dealing with yeah. mountains oh, of horse gonna, shit, you know. Right. <laughs> right. That, that was the thing. Yeah, you you've got a bunch of horse uh stable workers who are now what I'm supposed to be an auto mechanic. I don't know how to do any right. of that shit. It's supposed to pump gas. I don't know how to pump. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You got it. You got to take care of those people though, too. It's sad and to be lamented. Um, we'll see yeah. if Ronald D. Moore has some ideas on, on how we can bridge these gaps. I certainly feel like he's accurately described the problem. Yes. So that's a good start for sure. 
Uh, then we get Kelly DJing on the first interstellar pirate radio station. She's got some truly excellent jams she's playing here from the 90s. It's it's fucking cute, man. Her, right. you know, kicking off. Can I, uh, you know, can I kick it from Tribe Called Quest? Her giving the weather report across the solar system. It's yeah, it's awesome. I love it. I wish I was floating out there with them to hear the pirate, pirate the pirate radio station because it seems seems legit. And she's doing this all from her iPod, which, if yeah. you recall, was definitely not around in 1994. So there's been some acceleration on that technology. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was a late 90s invention, right? The iPod? I have no idea when the iPod, because I was a late adopter to all that shit, man. I think I was one of the last people to got a smartphone. I had a Zune <laughs> and a Sansa Express. I refused to get into an iPod. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's one of those weird people. 2001. Wow. Wow, yeah, wow, wow. So 10 years early here. Uh, Then Ed takes a job i i don't know uh, and some dude gets a caesar salad from hydroponics it's kind of a tour of the phoenix and how good or sorry not not a job a jog uh it's kind of a tour of the phoenix and how good life is over there right they've got gravity which is mm-hmm. in juxtaposition to the people who are floating around in the nasa ship uh they've got salads on their own hydroponic stations that are already set up and running NASA doesn't have anything like that. It's hopefully waiting for them on Mars. Pissed the water to yep. Caesar salad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's also, a, a you know, not for nothing, a two th- another loving 2001 tribute. An astronaut, yeah. you know, jogging on the, the, the outside of this thing. Sure. Totally. Uh, that's got to be nice to have that gravity on your trip. Because, man, that much time in zero G, that seems hard. Yeah, we're not built yeah, for it. it. No, 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 no. Especially if they're getting one full Earth G. That's a that's a huge boon. Oh yeah. Uh, I so I I did some research and an MSAM I think stands for Martian Surface Access Module because oh, okay. there's been other like LSAMs and you know for lunar surface. So like I yeah. I think that's what they're going for. Um, when they showed Danny in the little thing, I started thinking. What the fuck could that be used for? We know they have mobile habs that can fly over Mars looking for water and whatnot. Is this mm-hmm. literally just to transport people to and from? Because it doesn't look like it has any room for cargo. Is it just like a lifeboat? Yeah. Like if something goes wrong, we can get everybody. Yeah. Seems like it. I know they can make their own fuel, but this this the volume of this thing is just teeny. T- it's like a flying mm-hmm. elevator ca- uh, uh, car, you know? Yeah, it's like a... Small, it's like half the size of a shuttle on the Enterprise or something, right? Right, yeah. Uh, so the news is covering the space race, and we are kind of treated to some more introductions to the crew. Roland, specifically, um, who is the former Soviet astronaut who defected in last year, I think. Uh, he's on the mission, which I think is a bold choice by NASA. You know, it's like, are you sure that that was a true defection? Is this a ploy by the Russians, a long con to get somebody onto one of your teams? Um, it's certainly a provocation. And I feel like that's uh, uh, carrying on the Reagan tradition of kind of taking it to the gotcha. Russians, you know, yeah. uh, openly challenging them on the world yeah. stage. It, it's it's yeah. It, when you capture one of the enemy's pieces and use it against them, that's a pretty powerful thing. But, oh, boy, is it going to land this guy into some sticky situations by the end of this episode? Yeah. Um, 
What do you what do you make of the fixation of the North Koreans still? I don't know, because they also say like they're kind of stalled on the platform, right? Like they're not doing much. So why even bother? Maybe set up for are they next gonna, season somehow. Are they going to set up? The, are they going to like try to take over the moon <laughs> while the U.S. and Russia's eyes are on uh, maybe uh, on Mars? Because like it's like it made sense in the beginning because like their probe launch blew up and you know caused the Phoenix disaster. But like they keep on, they're just keeping on mentioning in the background about they're still having to give up the space race and it's struggling and they're defensive and all this. I wonder if it's going to cause some kind of, or maybe it's not even about the moon is a geopolitical situation that, you know, causes uh, America and probably Russia to take their eye off some things. Uh, I don't know. Just noticing it, paying attention. Well- what do you think of the chances that this is simply sort of reactionary storytelling? Like, Hey, we know that we mentioned this early on and it was kind of a plot point. So we need to keep people updated with what's going on with North Korea's space program. I feel like it's not nothing super is likely. Be there. Yeah. Because that's yeah, the key. Like you. why? Like it's, it, it'd be weird if they keep mentioning it. Cause I don't think anyone like in episode four would be like, I wonder what North Korea is fucking doing. We haven't heard from them for a while because yeah. we knew what they're doing. They're fucking up with their space program and, and make it a mess. Uh, I feel like it's going to come. It's going to, it's going to pay off. Probably. It's just, I guess a question of this season or next. Oh, um, right. So Danielle's chatting uh, with someone. Uh, I, I don't know her name. She's part of the the Sojourner crew about how excited she is to land on Mars. Um, is is the orange stuff they deliver to her Tang? I don't think they mention it, but that's what I called it. My notes. Yeah. Tang. Okay. There's a Tang pirate. Some Tang's piracy within uh-huh. the crew. I don't know what that what what the pirates code says about that kind of business. Because Tang is one of those drinks that was originally invented for NASA, right? Um, in order to have something for their astronauts yeah. to get electrolytes uh-huh. and all that stuff. Sure, uh, to keep them drinking. Because that's that's a challenge when you just are forced to drink water. Uh, most people don't drink enough because water at room temperature, we've invented better drinks. Uh, you throw some orange orange flavor in there, people drink more of it. Same, same thing with Gatorade. I, I don't like room temperature water, but I pretty much just drink coffee and water. I don't. I don't see what the problem is. But if you had just if you just had tap water, recycled urine that is body temperature that you're drinking, (laughs) instead you'd want some fucking flavor in that. I I bet. I bet. I don't think you wouldn't drink it. it, I'm just saying statistically, we have studies showing that you put flavor in water, people drink more of it. So if you want your your astronauts pissing clear, give them tang. And look, they've got enough uh, things to discipline themselves to have to do while they're in space. Forcing themselves to drink lukewarm tap water is probably not one you want. Uh, you asked, you had some questions about this Melis Chasma. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, you, you know what the Mariner Valley is, right? The uh, Valis Marineris. That's uh, that's named after the Mariner probe, Mariner Nine that discovered it. But mm-hmm. this is the Melis Chasma is the widest part of the Valis Marineris system. which is already a canyon four times the size of the Grand Canyon. Wow. And it's thought to be uh, uh, cutting through an old lake bed, dried up Martian lake bed. And recently, within the last three years, um, with the advanced probes that can detect subsurface details, they found a what they think is a huge reserve of liquid or or ice water that's Mm -hmm. less than a meter below the surface of this valley. So 
Uh, also, Expanse fans, this is like the first yeah. human settlement. Uh, Mariner Valley is the, the first human settlement on Mars, and it's where they get a lot of their Texas drawl culture. Uh, so, yeah, I thought that was that was cool because I was like, Matt, why, why would they why would they land there? But then, oh, it's Mariner Valley. That makes a lot more sense. Totally on track for the Expanse. We're going to be early, it turns out, <laughs> with, with the space race yeah. going, all these ripple effects. So the crew of the Phoenix uh, is kind of just hanging out in their mess hall or whatever, uh, acting out sci-fi movie scenes, including one that Gordo was in from this uh, Love in the Sky or whatever. Danny walks in at just that moment and is pissed off. He takes the guy out in the hall, forces him to repeat the lines very menacingly from the movie until Ed shows up, puts an end to it, and he tells Danny, look, you got to learn to control your temper, man. Part of the part of being an astronaut is controlling your shit. It, if you it, did, his temper is going to be his real challenge, right? This season, he's going to have to get over that. Yeah, this whole Jason Bateman thing he's he's got going on. This this NASA psycho is. Yeah, I don't I don't like Danny. I don't like his character. Don't like his arc. Don't like his shit he does with Karen. I don't. Uh, hopefully, I he's hopefully get- one of these fucking rogue cables. Yeah, this, the, the menace of deep space. A rogue cable will take this fucker out because oh my god. Uh, yeah. I guess it's interesting from a conflict standpoint. But I felt um, this Nick guy. Did you recognize him? That he's he's like very, bullying here very vaguely. I, he he looks is familiar. he is the 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 eager Linus, uh, the the newbie of the moon base, the Jones, the Jamestown that was giving Tracy the grand tour last year when she first got to. Huh. Okay, so he's like this super eager guy, um, and it's it's painful because Danny's. Dane's putting this guy through something that he's got firsthand knowledge from. Like he says, like, you know, I, yeah. I knew your, you, you knew your parents. I loved your parents. And he's just being a, a shit because he can. And Ed calls him out, but Ed's like way doesn't see the danger here. Oh, like, yeah. No, I, I assume the, the, the real thing that's going to be a problem here is Danny's going to get angry at Ed at some point. Right. And he's got, oh, I think he's there. I think that every time he is in the same room as Ed, it's like the bride when she hears Bill's name. It's just like and flashing red lights because when you look at it and he's like, hey, why don't you take me up on the spades offer? Like his teeth are clenched so hard his molars are going to shatter. He is so furious that he Ed is 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 him and he can't be Ed. Oh, Uh God. And and Ed has no idea about any of this shit laying under the surface. Yeah, like I said, bombs to drop, man. At some point, it's going to pop off, and yeah, I, I I am waiting to see the fireworks from that for sure. He's the he's the Russian reactor into the red, but I unlike the Russian reactor, I super don't care about it. I hope it goes critical. <laughs> I just want to see what Ed's reaction is going to be because he's been able to tamp down that temper, but Ed's got that streak in him, and like he said, Ed scene, is. Right? Ed's an angry guy who's fucked up a lot of shit. Like you think, I guess the thing's like, I, I have a hard time being too hard about the Russians when our astronaut took a cosmonaut hostage for no damn good reason. Sure. And almost caused an international incident. Like people. Yeah. Killed. <laughs> yeah. Someone. Yeah. It's yeah. And you know, they also like from a Russian cosmonaut perspective, I can see how you would hate this guy because like that you, you forget about the shit that happened in that incident one of their cosmonauts got burnt alive yeah. inside their moon suit horrific f- from a failure to communicate 
from Americans rolling up on them with M16s on the moon. Like there is yeah. some like from a Russian cosmic perspective, they would be furious about the way that thing shook out. Uh-huh. And probably glad that the whole crater didn't get nuked, but you know, and uh, yeah, two Americans kind of lost their lives and I think they shot a marine, but yeah, there's there's a lot of anger. A lot of mm-hmm. anger there. Uh, all right, we go over to the helium three protests that are happening. Uh, Gordo's youngest Jimmy is there, and he gets recognized by a woman named Sunny, who invites him out for a beer afterward. Is that not Cindy? It, I, oh, thought I thought it was, it was Cindy. Sunny. I, I don't well, know. it's without. <laughs> I wrote down Cindy, but like without subtitles, uh, t- tough to tough to know. Right, I didn't have mine on either. Um, this is how you get deeper into the revolution than you want to be. I I've seen Les Mis. I know it's always about yeah. like a cute girl. It starts out <laughs> as like a cute girl invites you to a meeting. You didn't sure. know was yeah. quite the meeting you were going to. Yeah. And then, and then you can, end up fighting the entire French government. Can you hear the people sing, singing the song of angry? <laughs> yeah. I, Jimmy is such a fucking fool. Like a no shit reporter comes up with a recorder and is like, Hey, you're this, like, can I talk to you and like give you this giant platform and what he's like, fuck off loser. And then some hippie girl that's like, Hey man, space conspiracy. Am I right? You want to hang out with us? And he's just like, Ooh, he's just, yeah. What, yeah. <laughs> what a goofball. I, I mean, what a I, goofball. I feel like he's looking for, for some kind of acceptance and, and, you know, people around him. So I can see why this is appealing to him. Um, yeah. And it's also like, I think this, this show does a really good job of showing how fair minded people can get shunted yeah. off the wrong intellectual paths. Uh, they, they really do a good job of this next astronaut. He bumps into showing, right. You know how this stuff starts. Uh, Ellen arrives at NASA. She gives a congratulatory speech for their achievement, and it kind of stings Margot um, because <sighs> she doesn't really view Ellen as one of them anymore. You know, um, and and uh, and also like when she says, "I want to thank you all for your service to your country." Margot knows she's been betraying them behind their backs. So I think that's the real thing. Cause the other thing is like Margot doesn't know, but like Ellen's fighting for her life for NASA. Like she's yeah. protect. Cause like. Margo's got jack shit that is not, you know, explicitly delineated to her through some kind of federal act or law. Mm-hmm. And Ellen is defending with her political capital, her whole fucking empire that she's so proud of. And for her to be like, oh, uh, yeah, politicians take all the credit. Ellen was a goddamn astronaut. Yeah, she was out there. And she's she she then was an administrator at NASA, and now she's a president protecting NASA. Like Marco's off the fucking rails. Oh my god! Yeah, no, no Mar- nobody. Marco is. She she's also she doesn't realize that she is a fucking loner, right? And that she can only mm. be a loner because people like Ellen are out there fighting for her organization and her right. ability to be a loner. Margo has no right. friends. Margo yes. can't get anything done without the people around her who are fighting for her. And that's how and it she works, does have like, intensely loyal people because she's repaid that, you know, kind of like she's her, got a right. It's not like, right. It's a, no, it's a cult a of personality. I mean, yeah, she's, yeah. she knows how to run it. It is, it is. I don't know. It does seem like a little like, like despotic fiefdom. The more I see of it. Uh, Apple does a great okay. job at these face heel turns. Like there is an all time great one in Ted Lasso. Now we've got Margot going to the dark side and for all mankind hats off. Yeah. But boy, boy, it's really. Oh. 
You hate to see Margo. it because I was so rooting for Margot throughout the last. I love Margot. Huge yeah. fan of Margot. She just uh, let the power let the power go to her head. Mm-hmm. It's a really great speech that Ellen gave too about oh, yeah. you know how like you know everyone thinks NASA too bureaucratic, too stuck in her ways, can't innovate, can't compete with the private sector. We're fucking proving them all wrong. It shows us what the American people can do when we're all unified behind a common goal. Like it's good stuff. Good politician speech. Absolutely. All right, then Jimmy meets with Sonny or Cindy's group. I'm not really sure, uh, which includes a Marine that was on the Jamestown base uh, with his mother. And the Marine and Sonny spot a bunch of conspiracy or spout a bunch of conspiracy shit that we know to be false, but it does give Jimmy pause. Uh, the, the astronaut, the Marine was in fact shot in the back. Uh, yes. It went down pretty much exactly like the official story. But there was a backup cooler, but it wasn't hooked up to the main cooler because the Pentagon was doing shady shit that not even Russian. So, like, that's the thing. Yeah, true. Like, there is shady shit that was being covered up. It's not what everyone thinks it is. But there was like the the Pentagon did this to themselves by, you know, lying to their own people. This is how this honestly, this is how this all this shit yeah. starts. You know, right. the government thinking they can do some shady shit behind it. And then everybody starts seeing MK ultra everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is the shady shit. Um, I, it's just everything else. That's, that's, that's kind of crazy. And also like, it's funny. Cause like uh, this guy who's saying all this, kind of a shitty marine because he was the guy that couldn't hack like after months of training couldn't like that's why tracy had to personally pilot the lunar module because he could not get the mastery of the controls and he wasn't picking it up very fast and maybe he's got a little bit of that like thinking that if he was a little bit better that none of this would have happened and there's some guilt Mm -hmm. i just think the show's paying a good uh, portrait of how these movements get started and like yeah. all the different agendas and the things that go into fomenting it. Um, right. Yeah. Then over on the sojourner, Kelly picks up a transmission from Mars 94, claiming that the crew is about to do something very dangerous to try and win the race to Mars. Uh, suddenly the Russian ship begins to accelerate. Uh, Helios and NASA noticed the move as well as how dangerous it is. And unfortunately, their engines burn out. And this this is a problem for multiple reasons. The one that they really go with is the radiation coming off of their, their failed engines, their damaged engines. And Ed volunteers to go save them, even though it means they won't make it to Mars. It's first thing I want to open up. Do you think Alita suspects that Margot has been giving the Russians a little help? Or by the end of this episode, do you think she suspects? I never got that feeling at all. No, there's a little strange look that Alita gives Margot when Margot says, Oh my God, if their engines are anything like ours, they could be running them into the uh, overtemp. And -hmm. then Alita kind of gives her a a strange echo of that look when she uses that same logic later. Like I'm looking at this temperature and if this engine is anything like ours, it's going to blow within X amount of minutes. I thought right. there was a little bit like I'm not saying that she's like you're a fucking Russian spy, <laughs> right? But I think there was a little bit of a light bulb, at least at fifty percent brightness, going off of her head. Maybe I'm wrong, yeah. but one that's, of the dots connected. 
one and one of the complications that like oh my god the back half of this fucking season <laughs> it's gonna be a rat's nest of shit happening man yeah, I, I know man i can't wait because these first three the episodes are just set up exact set all this stuff up it's god yeah yeah, yeah that's the show is so good in that way uh do you know what danny and his creepy co-worker were talking about as far as disgusting food they're talking about eating a goat's head and then he was talking about eating uh uh, embryonic chicken at just a stage of its development where its bones are crunchiest and no it was like well, this conversation random conversation that was interrupted by the signal that the Russians are flooring it but I'm like what the again huh. more psycho serial killer shit from Danny <laughs> uh, aided and abetted by his uh, equally creepy crew member yeah I but, don't know uh, any of the crew members names Roland is the only one I really picked up uh, Will yeah. was one of the guys over on the the Sojourner, right? I did, yeah. Because, like, I, a lot of these people, I was the thing is, is like the people's names I wanted to re- remember. Like it was Kelly, the uh-huh. guy who got cabled to death, and the gal who got crushed. Oh, right. So like, yeah, I don't need to know their <laughs> names. They're fucking dead. So yep. uh, this guy, the Scottish Highlander, and mm-hmm. uh, the gal who was was keen to siphon some Russian gas, dead. So I, I'm I sad that Highlander got destroyed because he was shaping up to be like one of those aliens esque type figures that's yeah. like the oddball crew member that might right. you know do something a little crazy. Yeah, I could have seen him as that, but he's gone now. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Ed volunteers to, to save them, even though they won't make it to Mars. And then Iessa kicks into gear, asks his people what they think about the plan to help the Russians. They take a vote and decide to let NASA do it so they can make it to Mars. And that doesn't sit well with Ed. He ignores Iessa's orders here and continues with the rescue mission. However, when he tries to fire up the engines, he finds that they are locked out of the controls uh man i was really like on ed's side here good call ed this is the right call for sure and then all this happens with isa taking control and i'm like and then i started to think okay this is like they needed to have ed on this ship to have anybody to fucking root for on this mission otherwise i just hate all these people right this is true i don't know i think makes the mission as a whole sympathetic yeah, I, I'm I'm curious uh, to what extent we'll get to know some of these people because, um, well, I mean, we can talk about our theories about what's going to happen next. But I think some of them like I, I like the salad lady. Uh, I like the uh, I, I uh, like Nick. Yeah, some of the crew. Yeah, but you're no, the I get people, you. The like, people I hate uh, are all down on the plant on Earth, right? Like make calling the shots. The only yeah. people I like that are in that mission control room are the people from NASA and Karen. Right, who are supporting, and I, I, that's the thing. Is like, I felt like this was shortchanged because, like, you know, the debate would just really started before uh-huh. he called it to quorum. And I thought Nat, that Karen's uh, Karen's counter was weak about like why NASA couldn't do it, um, and the fact that like he was clearly calling on like the sourpuss that was like shitting on to Ed. This is like I feel like he knows the negative people. The pot, like I was talking about in the intro, and he can play these people like an organ to make whatever tune he wants. And then whenever the pitch of the song gets to where his liking, he can just call a quorum and be like, right. well, there you go. You know? Oh, and then his whole full fa- pa- fucking passive aggressive of being like surprised. Like, oh, oh, well, that's how well, then, then uh, that just settles it. Um, 
Yeah. Am I crazy? Go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you. Sorry. I was going to say, you can also couch it in just like, well, I'm airing and letting everyone air their opinions, right? Like, I see the body language over there. They clear they don't agree. Let's give them a say. Right. But yeah. we've got three days to work with. Why do we have to have this snap decision in 30 seconds? It's because of what De- sure. Dev wanted Ed, because of the uh-huh. prestige and because of the boost it would give to his thing. He wants to be the first on. Like, he is, a, it seems transparently manipulating. Because I felt like he closed the Ed quorum a little too soon on the sourpuss side of things. Mm-hmm. And now he's playing up the sourpuss side. So, um, against the people that have the, the real world experience. I mean, it's. It's shitty. Like, yeah, this is a law of the sea kind of thing. You know, when right. you're in situations that are life and death and, and brutal environments, you just develop this culture of damn what your plans were this afternoon. Someone is uh, dead in the water and they might die if you turn your back on them. Uh, yeah, and that goes and they, triple in space. And I feel like the, the arguments they make aren't like showstoppers uh, against this. You know, like NASA can take on this crew. It's, it's a debate. It's debatable. Death. And maybe but, they have more experience and they aren't driving a grand piano. And but on the other hand, there's not the space and far re- less comfort. Right. There's not going to be any room for these people. Also, they don't bring up the fact that they have a Russian defector on board and that might cause conflict. Uh, right. That's a serious issue. So, I, yeah, yeah, they don't they don't fully air the arguments. It seems the real solution should have been they both fall back and they use Sojourner to like ferry because like. What Danielle said about that thing, manip- uh, like being like a grand. P- Can you imagine this disaster happened and uh, Phoenix was docked up next to it? Like how much oh, bigger man. a disaster it would the be? Cables, uh, the number of cables on <laughs> Phoenix alone. <laughs> yeah, just it's multiplied by infinity. It's like yeah, right. it's like cable. You divide you cables, cables by cables. Other cables. That's a disaster. <laughs> yeah, made in heaven, man. It might. It, it might destroy Mars. Uh, the com- the combined <laughs> tangle that that happens there, uh, sure. but it feels like the, the the natural solution would be to use Sojourner as a lifeboat to move the astronauts from the large unwieldy Russian transport to the large unwieldy private transport. And then everyone could like then it seems like if you want to make a decision for the comedy of all humankind, you just go forward and all three of you just claim a joint victory. I mean, that's an impossibility, right? No and NASA gets the that. moral high ground because everyone knows that they would have won if none of this had happened. How is it impossible, though? Because you've got guys with big egos like Ayesa uh, wanting to make history here. Yeah, he would still make history. He would be the first on Mars. It would be his ship he would be getting there with with every, with the Russians and the American governments. Does does yeah. Dev think that he can plant a flag on Mars and then tell the United States and the Russians to fuck off? Like, hey, this is a free environment. Like, I, that's the thing is like he I I feel like he thinks if he gets there first that he can run like this this completely untouchable colony that the nations of the earth cannot regulate. Like that seems fantasy. Uh, hmm. Yeah, because I mean he's still going to be somewhat dependent on Earth, right? He's not going to set up a truly autonomous colony that can compete with any any kind of arsenal they could send from Earth. That's what I was saying. He can, yeah. he can't fight against any joint Russian, American, Chinese, no. North Korean uh assault fleet that yeah, like he would be dead in the water. So Right. So he needs their support weird. or at least their their you know, keeping them at a arm's length. He can't have them up their ass, but 
I don't know. It feels like one of those guys that's like one of those rich guys that's like, you know what? I'm going to buy a fucking oil derrick and I'm going to take it out in, a, 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 in a international waters and I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. It's like you might be able to do with that, do that, and you might get away with it. But the second a, a sovereign nation decides they don't like whatever you're doing out in international waters, guess what? Yeah. You're going to get fucked by some sort of, you know, destroyer, cruiser, aircraft, carrier combination, you know. Right. I mean, he uh, has to have their support until he develops what space superiority. So until he can defend the sovereignty of Mars, until right. they invent the Epstein drive <laughs> and come up with fucking, uh, you know, Derringer class battleships or whatever to, to protect it. Rail cannons yeah. and such. Yeah. He's or, for or a long like, fucking time. Yeah. It's, it's like hundreds of years is the kind of time span we're talking, but like, yeah. Yeah. I, so I don't know what his, I mean, I think he does want glory, right? He does want prestige, but yeah, what is his other plan? I, that that was the thing that never jived with me with what he was saying about like, oh, the Americans and Russians are going to get there and fight over the moon, but I'm going to get there first, and it's going to be some kind of crazy utopia. Because you can of it. set a tone. Why? I guess you can. You you you, you get you get a little moral high ground from like the publicity of beginning there first. Cause I, I, I want to talk about the, the way the news coverage carry uh, covered, like there's a tone when the, the lady was talking about sojourner or uh, Phoenix is continuing on sojourners out. Cause I got it kind of like, this is bullshit. It's the way you would uh, like a reporter would cover a world series. that got stolen because somebody was shaving points on a bet. Like this is illegitimate. Yeah. Yeah, This is an illegitimate result, but it is the result. And I Mm -hmm. I don't know, like does dev, I don't think dev foresees like what a black eye this is going to be because yeah, he's got to rely on the goodwill of the nations of the world to set up whatever he wants to set up there. Just bottom line. Yeah. And he's already kind of at the heart of the energy debates going on right on earth yeah. too. i mean he yeah. runs a lot of the industry that is mining helium three which is putting these people out of business so you are a hundred percent hundred percent right yeah uh he's already got a hole to dig out of uh margo suggests ellen nationalize is's company to force him to continue the rescue operation for the russians ellen thinks margo is uh insane she's being the selfish one here and tells her so right yeah, yeah. Danielle and and Ellen uh, agree with that, I guess. Um, and they continue the, the rescue mission themselves and spring into action here. And let's be, let's be just in case people have a problem with that analysis. Like, if it was just Phoenix and Mars ninety four up there, I might be sympathetic to NASA commandeering by force a. Uh, a, a, a private but registered in the U.S. corporation spacecraft to do an international humanitarian mission, okay? Sure. But NASA's got a ship up there and they can fucking turn around and do it. It is kind of their job. It'd be like if there's a Coast Guard ship and a private yacht trying to sail around the world for the first time and there's a disaster, push come to shove. It's the Coast Guard that's got to go out and do it. You know, like maybe sure. bad show for the yachtsman for not, but... uh yeah, yeah. Margot's insane here. There's some some consequences, some goodwill consequences from this, but we'll see. Yeah, the political co- fallout from her stealing <laughs> some, yeah. the Phoenix would be insane. Uh, and we get a shot of Roland here being very worried about being a defector among Russian cosmonauts, uh, with good reason, as we'll see at the end um, of this episode. Yeah, 
I also thought that the, everything was handled just right. Like the Sojourner crew reacting to having her mission scrubbed. Like they were really bum and glum about it. But, you know, Danielle tells them what's what. Like, hey, we won the right to be first on Mars. No one can take that from us, but we got to do what's right. And then, you know, kind of joking. They're like, well, made the Russians give us a plaque was kind of like the crew turning yeah. the corner on because their hopes and dreams. Right. Yeah, and this uh, harkens back to what Ed had to do on his Apollo mission, right? Like, make the choice not to right. land on the moon and be the first person on the moon when and he could have been. Yeah, yeah. And he knows yeah. he could have been, right? He could have got that done. He just played it safe. Um, so, yeah, Daniel's doing the same here, making a sacrifice for what she knows is the right call. And then you know what Sojourner does, Jim? <laughs> what does Sojourner do? A flip and burn. <laughs> oh, I suppose so. They flip their solar cells. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Yeah. By the way, is I said Behringer is Doniger. I don't want a bunch of angry uh, Expanse nerds uh, emailing me. It's Doniger class is a joke I was trying to go for in a segment ago. Gotcha. Please don't be mad. I, I'm pretty sure They've 99% of our... In. I was going to say, for all, the 99% of our For All Main audience is probably the Expanse audience. So, so oh, I yeah. get that straight. I mean, it's too late, though. They heard you say Behringer. They paused the podcast and they immediately. God damn it. That's your mistake. You you leave the podcast playing. And if we say before we we correct our mistake before you get the email sent, you got to you got to unsend it. I mean, they're also nerds. So they're fast typers. So I'm sure they could have dealing with some 200 word per minute. (laughs) Sons of bitches out there. Yep. There are people, man. (laughs) They're going to they're going to give you hell. They are people. They are. <laughs> there, there are people. Not they are people. Uh, all right. The, new, the news talks about the rescue operation. Danielle approaches the Russian ship very cautiously and notes that their ship might actually use the same fuel as the Russian ship, possibly allowing them to reach Mars after all. And they rescue the Russians who end up hating Roland. Let's, let's talk about. I this wonder how that would go, go down. I wonder how that would go down. Uh, what does Russia say about the United States holding their citizens just because they were going to go on through the mission? I wonder if Russia could bitch and moan so much that NASA's forced to turn around and go home. Or if NASA could be like, look, we oh. rescued your people. We're on the way to do a mission. They'll get home when we get home. Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that should be the result. If I were the NASA administrator, I would say, fuck you. We're going to do this. That's maximum embarrassment for the Russians, though, that you will be amongst the first to land on Mars, but only because the United States picked, sent a taxi to pick you up. Also, I mean, there's concerns about like how much, how, how much, you know, stuff they have waiting for them on Mars. Are, Are there enough rations for them to get by with extra Russian cosmonauts they didn't expect to have, you know? I mean, there won't be a refuel resupply mission coming for quite a while, a couple years, I think. So do they have the supplies for it or do they have to go home? I don't know. Fuel isn't the only concern. Okay. Is there a possibility? Because there's a whole piracy foreshadowing thing throughout this whole episode. Is there a possibility that the the Russians engineered this? deliberately to take over sojourner god i mean it just seems too complex so many things have to go just yeah. so 
Yeah, for because if, if if NASA doesn't get the idea of stealing their fuel, then almost all their astronauts are inside the ship. Because I'm thinking like the way it happened is they had as many astronauts on the outside as inside. And there's as many cosmonauts inside as there are Americans. And the way mm-hmm. the captain said, no one leave the ship until I give the express order made it seem like he was going to. And maybe it's not like they intended to to take over the ship. Maybe they intended to scuttle it to keep the Americans from stealing the fuel. Mm. Yeah. And it got out of hand, but yeah, I don't know. I just want to, what do you, what do you think the plausibility out of a scale of one to a hundred percent? It's probably like a 2%. I mean, I, Oh wow. Like I said, the things you have to orchestrate here for this to go exactly right. I mean, I guess it would be also a victory to take the Phoenix because like, what if Iessa doesn't do the shit he does, right? And they, they okay, that's okay. That's that's Phoenix. a good point. Like, they don't know which is going to come. They could probably, maybe they assume they could take over either. So okay, shit tier theory that the Russians are going to steal a ship. I hear okay. loud and clear, two percent plausible. Yeah, not a what fan. about to scuttle the ship to keep the Americans from stealing their fuel and being able to complete that, their mission? I think is much more plausible. That seems like a very spiteful, shitty Russian thing to do. And maybe they fucked up which engine it should be and they didn't intend it to crush or kill anybody, but they wanted to disable the ship and not give the NASA the the, the ability to siphon their fuel. Yeah. I mean, it's... I don't know. I, I do think, like, it was... They, they portray it the way I think the Russians were hoping it would it would play out, that they could fire off their engines, they would survive this you know, running them at 140% or whatever for seven minutes and they would get to Mars first. I, I think that's what the Russians actually did want. But yeah, I think that's the primary theory. It's more the of like when that failed. Like, yeah, when that fails, scuttling the ship makes Was a there a plan sense. B? Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Is that a 50% theory or is that like 4%? Like what, what's sure, where I'll we... Sure, 52 Ooh, I think it's more right. likely than not. Those Russians, man, they don't want I their... Just, I just met the burden of preponderance of proof. All right. Yeah. Uh, so the core let's of talk gym. about it. <laughs> uh, actually, I want to talk about them doing the crossing here, right? The boarding of the ship is on these tethers hand over hand. I mean, what a way to cross a gap in space. I know they're tethered to the tether, I, right? But this feels but very risky. Terrifying. I always think about doing like a naked spacewalk. Uh-huh. Uh, and like no one has ever done it in the deep space. But, like, imagine this where, like, yeah, you can't, like, see the Earth as a reference frame. You're just out there in a void, like you said, hand over hand. And I know you're you're clipped to it, but holy hell. Right. Like, I couldn't climb one of those, like, thousand meter towers where the guys are, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. changing the red light bulb at the top. And I know they're clipped in, too. I couldn't do it. I couldn't yeah. do it. I, I can't even imagine. It's uh, It seems like literally something that would drive you insane. Is there a point where you get so high off of the Earth that it's not a fear of heights anymore. It's it's what a fear of open spaces. Yeah, but it's got to be kind of like if you were doing an ocean crossing, you got in the middle of the Atlantic and you're in a doldrums and they're like, hey, you know what? Jump in. Not but <laughs> no. 5000 feet no. of water no. underneath no. you. No. Right. It's no. just kind of like you, you jump in. the <laughs> void. Yeah. Like, I don't know uh-huh. what's out there. It could be like fucking aliens. You know? Yeah. No, I, it, it's, it's not rational. It's that right. it's that. Yeah. Like, I'm afraid Jaws is going to eat me kind of sure. nebulous fear. Uh, so the engine damage threatens to destroy the Russian ship and the sojourner along with it. And Margot can't warn them due to the communications delay. 
which is uh, upwards of five minutes at this point. Their fuel tank ruptures on the Russian ship, causing the ships to collide, killing several members of the Russian and American crews. It's second only to crossing hand over hand on a tether. This is the worst possible fear. This is horrific. Having hundreds of tons of metal steamroll you against hundreds of tons of other metal. Because that's the thing. People like, well, it's zero gravity. So why can't she just resist? And by like, it's the inertia. She has got several hundred tons coming at her against several hundred tons. Uh Her body cannot sustain. She's she's not a fucking steel strut. And And I I, I love the shot of the clip. The shot of the clip is so perfect because she could detether herself. Right. But then what? Then you're just floating free in space. I almost think but she that's should the plan. Have. Oh, for sure. And I think she would have, but like it's ironic because that carabiner is yes. so obviously designed to resist being detached unless you're and she's trying to now take this thing because like that's the worst thing could happen coming unclipped from the ship. Now right. it's the only thing that will save her life. And these got these I don't know if you know this about the NASA suits, but like they're pressured to like you know, 15 PSI, like atmospheres, yeah. and that makes like those fingers are like a sausage that's fully inflated and like grip things it's it takes strength like you're like you're using one of those hand exercise machines to resist the internal pressure of of the suit and she's trying to do that with like seconds to spare you know and and it's pulling her into so there's like a a a tension on that that might not let her get free unless she pulls herself even which is everything your instinct says not to do and Um, and then how do you stop that inertia which is Okay, you're detethered, but now you're going toward the machine, the steamroller. Right. Like, and you get you can't. Yeah, your you feet gotta, maybe aren't connected to the ground anymore. It's it it's was an horrific situation. It's terrifying. Yeah, I, hate I, it I think the guy burning to death in his his moon suit is still the worst thing I've ever seen. But yeah. her just being crushed and her like, oh my god, they oh. invented so many horrible ways to die in space in this show, yeah. and I love every second of it. And then also they need to start making these faceplates out of gorilla glass or some shit because that Russian cosmonaut got dashed against and they made a point of his uh, face shield popping and exploding. And then I assume our intrepid Scotsman with another one of these goddamn runaway space cables, mm-hmm. the menaces of deep space uh, takes one to his face shield. I expect he's going to die, too. Oh, yeah, he's got to. He's not getting back uh, inside. Are you afraid for Baranoff? For uh, uh-huh. you're calling him your by his first name, I forget, but Roland. I wrote Baranov, Roland, yeah. Roland Baranov, because he's stuck in an airlift with or an airlock with three angry Russians that just have to grab his face shield and open it, and he's dead. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's, and I don't, I don't think you can resist that. I don't think like if if maybe it's one on one, you could, but if I don't think you could keep, I I don't think there's anything on the outside that keeps that thing from popping open. If someone gets a hold of it and, and does it, I, I think the more dramatic thing is to have them in that sardine can for a while and let it fester for a bit. So I don't think they're going to just pop his his face shield. But I I do think like, yeah, this is a big problem for him. And they all know him like he know he recognized yeah. they're all asking. He, they were all in the same Space Force 10 years ago. And he's like, uh-huh. you know, welcome. Just, and he's like, Dimitri and you dog of defector and the, the hatred. They're looking at this guy, their eyes. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's huge damage to both ships now, right? This is no longer an issue of, hey, we got the fuel uh, or or we don't have the fuel to get to Mars. This is like 
NASA's ship is crippled. Is the Phoenix going to come rescue them? I think they have to. So they they're going to, to get. They're going to get by circumstance the decision I thought was the best one, which is all th- a, a joint yeah. mission. Right, and you've got this big hotel, this floating hotel, so you have room for everybody. Right, you've got yeah. hydroponics set up. You've got all this so these supplies waiting for you on Mars. I think there's going to be enough to pull it off. But yes, they're going to have to come across this finish line, nose to nose to nose, everybody in a tie. There's a lot more personnel on the Helio side. If push comes uh, to shove, uh, they have like what twenty four to I think there's three Americans left, maybe four. And I uh, think they yeah. said there there is there there's there was six cosmonauts. One of them died. I think like two um, or three made it over. Right? Oh, because yeah, because you're right. Well, the ship the hasn't ship exploded is... exactly yet. Like either the it's right, not like it, it's it went critical out into off its trajectory and like yeah, it's gonna yeah, be yeah. hard to get to both of those ships i think yeah i agree um but they are surely going to do it there's no fucking yeah. way the devs like yeah pound sand uh we're just going to go on to that na- like like I mean, will dismantle the ship like, before he lets that happen i mean i he would dismantle the ship before he didn't go help that's the, what i'm saying the, the sojourner but as far yeah, as he would the tear other, that thing apart bolt by bolt before he lets yeah. them leave them behind yeah and i'm honestly surprised as soon as he realized he was locked out he didn't give the order to start dismantling consoles and like get to the heart of this ship and give me manual control right yeah yeah i it wouldn't be out of his it's going to be really interesting to see what his relationship to ground control is and also like guys because karen and bill are kind of like this potentially rogue element within helios because they're not you Uh know they're not part of that culture really uh no and they both have immense respect and or love for ed being up there you know they don't want him his control plus a lot a lot of the crew they established of the uh phoenix is nasa trained so you're gonna have you got to think that push comes to shove a lot of those people have sympathies for their nasa counterparts and maybe loyalties there might be a a Mm -hmm. mutiny all complicated by the fact that danny is here ready to drop those bombs because yeah with karen being his lifeline to earth this is gonna get real complicated real fast yeah yeah that's a shit show man oh my god <laughs> i don't know how this plays out but i'm super excited to see it i'm not excited to see all that but the, the everything else I besides am, the am. uh the lone psycho that needs to just uh, get his face plant need, needs to have an especially brittle face plate is what he needs yeah yeah and an especially and, strong and fast whipping cable just a whipping cable. There's got, you know, it seems like the space is full of them. Uh, there's one with your, you already, you already dodged the, the, the cable once, Danny. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see it do it twice. Uh, oh my God. Comes for all of us eventually. Indeed. Uh, the end of the episode comes for us right now. Is there anything else uh-huh. we want to talk about? No, no, I'm ready to call it uh, quits until next time. F-A-M at baldmove.com. Fam. Join the Hi Bob fam at fam at baldmove.com to send in your feedback. Uh, we will have another probably Monster Mega Marathon mailbag before you know it. Uh, curious to see what you guys are thinking about the menace that is cables. Cables are like capes on superhero costumes. You got to get rid of them. Mm. Got to get rid of them. Yeah. All cables and hoses have to be eliminated because Rigid they're just. bodies only. That's all yeah, I want to like, see on my ships. You know, NASA tried to use 100% oxygen. Uh, it made a lot of sense. Didn't have to have as high pressure, but it burnt astronauts alive. You know, you might want cables. Can't have them. Nope. Just fucking kills astronauts left and right. All designs have to use no cables from here on forward. 
So that's where we're at for F A M at ballmove.com. If you, if you want to make a pro cable, if you want to make a bold pro mm. cable statement, uh, until the next episode, we'll, we'll be there for you. Uh, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See ya.